Okay, we're going to get started this evening. Glad to see all of you here tonight. Um, And it's exciting to be able to meet together as always as God's people, and especially so as we consider the task of prayer and worshiping the Lord in it. Um, We are continuing tonight our study of Paul's prayers as seen in the New Testament. And we're pursuing this study because we want to grow in our ability to pray in accordance with God's will and God's purposes. That's why we're doing it. Scripture says that we as humans are often very prone to pray, as James 4, 3 says, wrongly in order to spend it on our own passions, right? We so often pray in pursuit of our own desires and our own affections and spend very little time thinking about how to pray in accordance with God's desires and affections. And yet this is where the promise of prayer is. Uh, as 1 John 5.14 says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. So the key to effectual and fervent prayer is to know the revealed will of God, to know what to pray for and how to pray for it. And so we've been diving into Paul's prayers as recorded in the New Testament, and we're listening in on his inspired prayers that he wrote down as he was moved by the Holy Spirit in the recording of Scripture. And it is as you study Paul's prayers in the New Testament that you begin to realize that each one of his prayers falls into several categories that, when studied, can help us and assist us in knowing how to pray for ourselves. As we listen in on Paul's prayers over these several months, we're learning what to adore, what to appreciate, what to ask for, what to admonish, and what to amen in our own prayer lives. We looked at what we ought to adore uh, in prayer, and the quick answer is we ought to adore God and all that He is, right? We ought to worship God in prayer and recount to Him the wonders of His majesty and His worth. Lately, we've been looking at what to appreciate in prayer, and the quick answer here is is we ought to thank God for Christ and everything that we have in Him. First, we ought to thank God for Jesus. He's God's most magnificent gift. He's the one in whom and through whom are found all the heavenly blessings that God has to give. And Paul's been showing us a few of those blessings we've seen so far that we ought to thank God for the gift of victory, the gift of grace, the gift of faith, and the gift of hope, which we took several weeks on to examine because it was so encouraging for me. Well, tonight we're going to take a look at, a, at, a, uh, at another gift that is ours in Christ that we ought to thank God for, and that is the gift of love, the gift of love. This comes from Paul's prayer of thanksgiving that's recorded in Philemon, verses 4 through 5. Philemon 4 through 5, and we're doing this old school, so if you want to turn your Bible there. Philemon 4 through 5, where Paul writes... By the way, this is First and Second Timothy, right? Titus, Philemon. There you go. So, if it's been a while, that's where it's found. Philemon 4-5, through five, where Paul writes, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Why? Why does he thank God? Verse 5, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. This is Paul offering up a prayer of thanksgiving to God for the gift of love. 
But before we dive in and take a good look at this passage, let's ask the Lord to open the eyes of our understanding that we might see Him and His glory tonight. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for the opportunity we have to gather together openly in this place tonight without fear, that we can come and we can hear Your Word preached openly. Father, I thank You for the great opportunity we have tonight to sit under the teaching of Your Word and to have our hearts and our minds and our souls shaped by it, by Your Spirit. So Father, we are looking forward to the work that You are going to do for Your glory in our midst tonight as we seek to understand this gift of love that You have given us. Change us, Father, and help us to understand how we can be more thankful of the gift of love tonight. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Now, for some context, Paul is writing in this passage to a man that's located in Colossae whose name is Philemon. Philemon was a man of some importance to the believers there in Colossae, as verse 2 of this letter indicates, since the Colossian church was meeting, verse 2 says, in Philemon's house. And the story behind the writing of this letter is that Philemon, being a man who was somewhat wealthy, at least enough to have a house big enough for the church there in Colossae to meet in, was also a man evidently wealthy enough to own slaves. One of his slaves, Onesimus, ran away to the city of Rome after evidently causing some bit of damage in Philemon's house. And as God would have it, there in Rome, Onesimus is led to faith in Jesus Christ by the exact same person that led Philemon to faith in Christ Jesus, and that was the Apostle Paul. And so, as a newly reborn Onesimus is about to return to Colossae with Epaphras, his pastor in Colossae, Paul writes this personal letter to urge Philemon to receive Onesimus, as verse 17 says, as he would receive Paul himself, not as a slave, according to verse 16, but as a beloved brother. Knowing that this was a highly countercultural request, Paul begins his letter to Philemon with a prayer of thanksgiving to God that indicates that Paul wasn't worried about whether Philemon would truly forgive Onesimus or not. No, he was confident Philemon would do this very thing, as verse 21 of this letter states. Why? Because Philemon had love. And so Paul begins this letter right off the bat by thanking God for that love that he knew was in Philemon. He says in verse 4 to Philemon, he says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. This is a prayer of thanksgiving for the gift of love. Paul says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. In other words, every time you come to mind, Philemon, I am so thankful for you before the throne of God. Why? Because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And that initial phrase indicates that God is continually hearing, or not God, Paul is continually hearing reports of Philemon's love and faith. We don't know how Paul was receiving reports and, and hearing of them. Perhaps Paul began to hear reports of Philemon's love First through Onesimus, perhaps, whence he was led to the Lord. Perhaps the love seen in Philemon, his former master, had already made an impression on Onesimus even before he was saved. We don't know. But more likely, Paul received fresh reports of Philemon's love from Epaphras, 
which was the Colossian pastor, when Epaphras came bearing news of the Colossian situation, which we studied in the morning services. Evidently, one of the bright spots in that church of Colossae was Philemon and his demonstrated love. And so Paul rejoices that he was continually hearing these reports of Philemon's love. And you'll notice that faith is mentioned here. And even though we've already talked about faith in the past and how it's a gift from God, I still want you to understand what's going on here because it's confusing at first glance, but once you understand what's being said, it unlocks the entire passage. Um, Even in the English, you'll notice it reads kind of weird because... While the phrase, love towards the Lord Jesus and love for all the saints makes sense, having faith towards the Lord Jesus and faith for all the saints doesn't quite make sense, right? How do you have faith for people? So what's going on here? Well, what's going on, as happens quite frequently, by the way, in Paul's writings, is Paul is writing out a sentence about the love that Philemon is exhibiting towards the saints, all the saints, And while he's writing out that sentence, Paul is moved by the Holy Spirit to highlight the source of Philemon's love. And it is grounded in the love and namely the faith that Philemon has towards the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is structuring his writing here chiastically, if you understand what I'm saying. In other words, he is telling us that it is through faith in Christ Jesus that Philemon has come to know and possess love for all the saints. Love is the fruit of faith. A man can only love the brethren after coming to know God through faith in Christ Jesus. And wherever the root of faith is, the fruit of love will always grow. That is why, just as a side note, I don't buy the current movement that's in America today where I love Christ, but I just can't stand the church. That's antithetical to Scripture. If you love Christ, you love those whom Christ loves. You love the church with all its warts and all. You don't let the church drive you away from Christ Jesus. In fact, Christ Jesus drives you deeper and deeper into the church. That's what the Bible teaches. And that's what Paul is teaching here. Faith is the prerequisite to love. As Peter writes in 1 Peter 1.22, the only way that our souls can be purified for a sincere brotherly love with each other is first through our obedience to the truth. Faith in Christ must first be planted, and then when it takes root by God's grace, the love of the saints will always follow. Always Why? Because it is through faith in Christ Jesus that love is shown to us, love surrounds us, love shelters us, and love saturates us. And that's going to be the outline for tonight. I want you to understand why he points out faith in connection to love, because it points out to why he thanks God for this love. First, love is shown to us in Christ Jesus. Love is shown to us in Christ Jesus. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God shows His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Christ, by, by the way, Himself showed His love for us that very moment as well because Jesus Himself said in John 15, verse 3, greater love is no one than this, that He lays down His life for His friends. 
Christ laid down His life for us. That is the greatest love that there is. As 1 John 4.10 says, in this is love. In other words, this is where love is seen. This is where love is found. This is where love is properly understood. Not that we have loved God. Oh no, do not look here to find a definition of what love is. But that He loved us. Look there. That is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation. That is the pleasing sacrifice for our sins. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So this is the first reason why the, why the root of love is faith, is because love is shown to us in Christ Jesus. Second, love surrounds us in Christ Jesus. It's not just that love has been shown to us in Christ, but the moment we trust in Jesus, love surrounds us in Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 6 says this, that when we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are put in the Beloved One. Think about that. Jesus Christ is the eternal, unending object of the Father's divine affection. And when we are plunged into Him by grace through faith, we are plunged into an environment of unending, unceasing love from the Father. That is exactly, by the way, what Paul is talking about when he says in Romans 8, 38-39, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Why? Because it is found where? In Christ Jesus our Lord. See, this is where our surety of, of, of God's unending love towards us lies. It lies not in our earthly circumstances, which often lie to us about God's affections. It lies in the eternal reality that we are in Christ Jesus. That is where our surety of God's eternal love lies. So when the heartaches strike us, when the trials come, when clouds cover the sky and things just don't make sense in our lives and we are tempted to begin to question God's love for us, what must we remember in that moment? That we are forever in the center of God's love because we are eternally in Christ Jesus. Paul's making the point in Romans 8, 38-39 of, oh, how could the love of God ever depart from us? For we are in the Beloved One. We are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Love has shown us in Christ Jesus. Love surrounds us in Christ Jesus. This is why faith is the root of love. And then third, love shelters us in Christ Jesus. Love shelters us in Christ Jesus. So not only are we shown the love of God and surrounded by the love of God in Christ Jesus, we are sheltered under it. In other words, in Christ... God makes us direct objects of His divine love. This is so encouraging because if Scripture had just stopped with the previous point, we might get the impression that in our union with Jesus, God only sees Jesus and just happens to love me accidentally. But that is not true. In Christ Jesus, God makes us direct objects of His divine love and He calls us beloved by name. One of the most glorious titles that are contained in the pages of Scripture for us as believers is this title, Beloved. 
It is God's favorite title for us, appearing 51 times in the New Testament, at least. Think about that. We as believers are called beloved with the same affection and attention as Christ Jesus himself. In Romans 1 verse 7, Paul defines believers as those who are, listen to this, loved by God and called to be saints. Ephesians 5 verse 1, we are called beloved children. Colossians 3.12, we are called God's chosen ones, holy, and here it is, beloved. In 2 Thessalonians 2.13, Paul calls those who have trusted in Christ brothers who are what? Beloved in the Lord. 1 Timothy 6.2 says plainly, believers are beloved. And we are, as Jude 1 says, those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. We who were once children of wrath are called beloved. That's amazing. In Christ Jesus, we are sheltered under the love of God as direct objects of His divine affection. It's not just that we are lost in Christ. Oh no, He sees you in Christ and He loves you in Christ. You are beloved, as 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. As indeed he says in Hosea, Romans 9, 25 reminds us, Those who were not my people, I will call my people. And she who was not beloved, I will call beloved. We are direct objects of God's affection through faith in Christ Jesus. Love has shown us in Christ Jesus. Love surrounds us in Christ Jesus. Love shelters us in Christ Jesus, right? This is why faith is the root of showing all love. And then finally, love saturates us in Christ Jesus. When we come to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, Romans 5.5 says, the very love of God is poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. In other words, through faith in Christ Jesus, love is not just something that we see on the outside or experience around us. Love becomes something that we take part of within us. We become vessels of God's divine love. Through the love that is shown us, surrounds us, and shelters us in Christ Jesus, we become so saturated as God's people with God's love that it starts to flow right out of us. This is why the first fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22 is what? Love. The fruit of faith is love. It's because... It is through faith in Christ Jesus we are shown love, surrounded by love, sheltered under love, and saturated with love. That is why the fruit of faith is love. Love for who? Well, love for God first and foremost, right? This is what sets believers apart from the unredeemed world. It is the fact that we have been given new and spiritual affections for God himself. We desire him. Whereas 1 Corinthians 6.22 says that whoever does not love the Lord is accursed, Romans 8.28 says believers are those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Ephesians 6.24 defines the redeemed as all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with a love that is incorruptible. And James 2.5 tells us that the kingdom of God is promised to those who love Him. 
This is what it means to be a believer. It means to be someone who has been so changed radically in your heart that you who were once enemies of God, hating Him in your heart and mind, become a lover of God that seeks after Him. So the fruit of faith is love for God, but the fruit of faith is also love for other believers. And that's Paul's point here in Philemon 4-5. through Because faith in Christ Jesus shows us, surrounds us, shelters us, and saturates us with God's love, the fruit of faith in Christ is love for the brethren. For, as Paul says, all the saints. The fruit of faith in Christ is love for all the saints. That's why Jesus could say in John 13, 35, right? By this all men will know that you are my disciples because you have love for me. Is that what he said? No, they can't see that. It's because you have love for one another. They'll know that you are followers of Christ because only followers of Christ love those whom Christ loves with the love of Christ himself, right? So those who have the fruit of faith and have seen the love of God demonstrate on the cross loves those, we love those whom Christ has purchased with His own blood because we recognize their value, not in our eyes, but in the eyes of Christ. And we love the brothers. We love them. 1 John 4, 7-8 says, Beloved, let us love one another. Why? For love is from God And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Right? John is saying there that when we love one another, it shows that we actually know God because God is love, as he says later. And in verse 7, love is from God. If you know God, you'll start showing what God shows, which is love for other believers. That's why Paul says here in Philemon 4-5, through I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. Love is from God. And the only reason why we ever love, as 1 John 4-19 says, is because He first loved us. It is through seeing His love towards us that we then show love to others. Love is from God. He has shown it to us. He has surrounded us in it. He has sheltered us under it. And He has saturated us with it. It's all from Him. And therefore, we should give Him thanks. We should give Him thanks for the gift of love, the gift that only He can give. 